We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be It's time to express yourself Where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions As an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Hey, today, thank a farmer. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself, where a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brigitte Kia, and today's theme is the gift of farming. And I'm Hannah Handel. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Visit bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you, too, can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive media messaging. The Star You Are needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. So please donate today at bethestarur.org. And you can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees. Alrighty, so in this next segment, we'll be reading a chapter from the new Be The Star You Are book. Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices. Here is The Gift of Farming, written by our very own producer of Express Yourself and founder of Be The Star You Are, Cynthia Bryan. So Cynthia is a New York Times best-selling author of several different books, and she's also a TV and radio personality and producer. She's a lecturer, and she's an enrichment coach specializing in acting, media, writing, speaking, and life success. Cynthia is the founder and executive director of Be The Star You Are, 501c3 Empower... Um, empowering women, family, and youth through increased literacy, improved positive media messages, and skills for living. She writes for magazines, newspapers, and online sites. And as a joyful baby boomer, she is honored to have mentored thousands of millennials, including her own two children. In her spare time, Cynthia can be found working in her garden or playing with her barnyard of adopted animals. Make sure you visit CynthiaBryan.com to learn more information about Cynthia and her brand new book, and the Be The Star You Are Foundation as well. Ready? Here is The Gift of Farming by Cynthia Bryan. So many luscious fruits and vegetables at their peak of perfection in every season, the prospect of the perfect meal awaits. Summer, ripe, juicy nectarines, peaches, and Asian pears are devoured right off the tree or drizzled with olive oil to be grilled on the barbecue. Tomatoes, peppers, corn, cucumbers, zucchini, eggplant, Blackberries, melons, and beans offer the promise of culinary creativity as we harvest yet another bushel. In the fall, pineapple guava, grapes, walnuts, cherry moyas, chili peppers, collards, onions, sapote, and squash, tomatillos, yams, and apples invite diners' delight. Here highlights cruciferous vegetables including broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, plenty of greens, avocados, asparagus, mushrooms, oranges, lemons, tangelos, limes, kumquats, and of course, exotic persimmons, kiwis, and pomegranates. Spring is the most boisterous season of all, with yummy snap peas, mustard greens, turnips, carrots, okra, potatoes, radishes, celery, Swiss chard, kohlrabi, cherries and strawberries and raspberries, citrus, prunes, plums, figs, nectariums, apricots, and more. A variety of lettuces, arugula, spinach, kale, mints, and herbs are available throughout the year. Farmers markets tender the very best of the season from local growers and producers. But have you ever pondered the labor involved from the farmers behind the quality produce you discover at the farmer's market or in your local grocery aisle? 
Throughout my teen years, I worked in the fruit cutting sheds along with my two sisters, where we would half and pit apricots, peaches, and pears, laying them on wooden flats to be sun-dried, packaged, and sold. For years afterward, I couldn't eat any of these three fruits because of the memories of the dirty, exhausting work in this hot summer sun. We were paid by the 50-pound lug of fruit cut, with apricots earning us about 20 cents a box, containing 200 or more cots. Peaches and pears paid half as much because they were bigger, and therefore less fruit was packed in a lug. Cutting peaches was the nastier job. The peach fuzz would stick to our skin as the juice ran from the peach pit to our armpits. From the gong, When the gong rang at 4.30 p.m., indicating that our nine-hour shift was terminated, our itching bodies would dash home for a shower. If we had earned $20 for a full day's work, we were considered in the top 1% of farm employees. The next few months were spent picking grapes and walnuts. Even encountering a rattlesnake in the vineyard or culling the green walnuts working in the drafty dehydrator barn from midnight to 9 a.m. was preferable to cutting peaches. Although the work was tough, when I reminisce about those farm day experiences, I'm grateful for the manual labor of my youth. Whenever I purchase a fruit or vegetable that hasn't grown in my personal garden, I'm filled with appreciation for the toil of the farmers and the laborers who have worked for several seasons to bring those crops to market. These hardworking people are the unsung heroes of our lives. My daddy was one of them. Farming was a career that demanded attention 365 days a year. He could work for several months only to have a complete crop and his one annual paycheck devastated by rain or pests or drought. When he was asked why he didn't like to gamble, he'd retort that being a farmer meant that every day was a gambling day. He didn't have to go to the tables to wrestle with lady luck. From the time my siblings and I could toddle, we worked the fields. As our age and abilities grew, we were given more responsibilities. By eight years of age, we all drove tractors, plowed the vineyards, picked fruit, and worked with the harvest. We always knew where our food came from because, as farmers, we planted, weeded, watered, tilled, mowed, hauled, mulched, fertilized, pruned, sprayed, protected, harvested, then started the process all over again, prepping for the next season of crops. There have been surveys done around the world asking children to explain from where their food came. Responses in the United States included that cucumbers come wrapped in plastic, eggs come from cartons, Peas are found in the freezer, and chocolate milk is from brown cows. Recently, 27% of Australian kids in their final year of primary school believe that yogurt grew on trees, while 75% thought that cotton socks came from animals. In England, one-third of the country's children thought fish sticks came from pigs or chickens, tomatoes grew underground, potatoes grew on bushes, and cheese was raised on plants. Disturbing was the majority of children stated that everything or originates in the supermarket. Fortunately, adults didn't fare much better in surveys. These statistics reflect poorly on the intelligence of citizens in first world countries. We need to do better to educate our public where our food is grown and how long it takes to grow and the hazards that farmers face. Most millennials didn't grow up wanting to be farmers and America was an agrarian society until the early 1900s Today, we are a technology-focused country. In the last census, only 1% of Americans are farmers. Global population expected to exceed 9 billion by 2050. Farmers will have to grow 60% more food to feed the masses. Who and where will these additional farmers come from? I commend the schools where gardening is part of the curriculum. We can all become more appreciative of the growing cycles when we become knowledgeable and even more so when we become home farmers ourselves. We have a responsibility to involve our children in the growing process by giving them the opportunity to plant, water, and tend to fruits, vegetables, and herbs. Besides being a superb science lesson, children will develop an appreciation for farming and feel a sense of achievement and accomplishment. An added benefit is children enjoy eating what they grew. Thankfully, there has been a renaissance in learning the skills of canning. Baking pies from scratch is becoming fashionable again. As a child, putting up our fruits and vegetables for winter consumption was a fun family affair. 
one I passed on to my children and hope that one day they will pass the recipes on to their progeny. The next time you bite into a peach, fresh, dried, or canned, say a little prayer of thanks for the extraordinary efforts that went into its development. Farmers are the foundation of our civilization, and we need to honor and respect their art. It's time we get back to our roots. That's a fantastic story, courtesy of Cynthia Bryan, found in the Be The Star You Art book. And we also want to share with you guys um, a small exercise called Be An Urban Farmer. So you don't have to own a farm to be a farmer. Whether you have a plot or a pot, anyone can plant and grow a few fruits, vegetables, and herbs. So what do you like to eat? Make a list of your favorite produce. If you have a patio, porch, or a balcony, buy one or more containers, fill the containers with quality potting soil, then plant the seeds or small four-inch pots of the crop that you desire. If you have only a windowsill, you can still grow herbs. And depending on light sources, you may be able to cultivate peppers or tomatillos. With a yard or a larger garden, the sky is the limit on what you can plant. For ideas on what to plant and other gardening tips and tricks, make sure you're picking up an autographed copy of Growing with the Goddess Gardener, available, available from Cynthia's online bookstore at cynthiabryan.com online hyphen store, and each direct order will include heirloom seeds and a personalized card. 25% of these proceeds benefit the charity Be The Star You Are and Express Yourself. So really, the book and the seeds that are included really teach you that when you grow your own food, you'll be healthier and happier while increasing your agrarian confidence. So be an artistic farmer and happy growing. Wonderful quote that's been included from Daniel Webster that Cynthia has given us. Let us never forget that the cultivation of the earth is the most important labor of man. Village begins, other arts follow. Farmers, therefore, are the founders of civilization. Oh, man, so I think that was definitely a pretty brilliant chapter from Cynthia, who, of course, has firsthand knowledge of farming out in the fields and gathering all these vegetables and these fruits and harvesting them. And Hannah, I know that you also grew up with kind of surrounded by this farming culture and by agriculture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what do you think of all of this? What do you think of people drifting away from the roots of their food and lack of awareness that's going on in schools and with children and adults. Well, you're completely right. I did grow up in, in a family of farmers, and I think that's why I appreciate Cynthia sharing this story all the more in this book, because I think there's sort of a dichotomy that's sometimes drawn between our profession and, and our personal life. And I think for a farmer, their life and their livelihood through farming is really intertwined um, and especially a lot of farmers, my grandparents included, who live on their almond farm, there's really no no line. In fact, it's a blurred line between your professional life as a farmer and, and this livelihood of making your living through the farm and actually just living and experiencing the thing as, as your life itself. I think you don't, you don't just do farming. You are inherently a farmer. Absolutely. So it's really part of your identity. Um, and yeah, <laughs> what a perfect way to put it and what a marvelous piece from Cynthia. Uh, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this segment. Listeners, make sure you're supporting our show in these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. And we have lots of fun events coming up, so make sure you're checking out bethestarur.org and following our blog for more information. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Hannah Hundle. Watch BTSYA's fun and informative videos at youtube.com forward slash be the star you are. BTSYA founder and Express Yourself producer Cynthia Bryan has just authored a brand new book, Growing with the Goddess Gardener. It's now available at cynthiabryan.com forward slash online dash store with 25% of proceeds benefiting be the star you are and Express Yourself. Make sure to, listen, to keep listening as we continue our conversation about the gift of farming. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Back to our uplifting and inspiring program. I'm Brigitte Gia, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. Today's show is all about the gift of farming. And I'm Hannah Handel, excited to have a great conversation about farming in this segment. Now, in the previous one, we were talking through a story that Cynthia, that Cynthia shared in, in the book about the importance of knowing where our food comes from, and why understanding those origins is so valuable, not only so that we better appreciate the people who produce this food for us, our wonderful farmers, but also so that we have a more informed populace who's making conscious decisions as we move toward, toward the future and we're thinking about the huge policy issues. So, Brigitte, in your estimation, why do you think it's so important that we know how our food is grown? That's definitely a really great question. I think that need to know where everything comes from so that we can be perhaps more grateful for our food. And so in the United States today, around 40% of our food on average per year goes to waste. We throw it away without having touched it. Maybe the vegetables that have been shipped from a farm to a grocery store are not pretty enough. They're not looking good enough for grocery store displays so they'll be thrown away or maybe we're not eating everything that's on our plates we're getting second helpings without finishing our first and all of that food then never gets touched gets put in landmine uh, land landfills and never really goes to the people who need it and sort of just goes to waste so if we're able to see where our food comes from we're able to see the labor that goes into it, the resources that goes into growing the food, cultivating it, getting it to our plates. Then hopefully we'll be able to be more conscious of what we're eating, how we're eating, and how much we're not eating so that less food will really go to waste. So that we're able mm. to, yeah, you know, like eat what we need, mm-hmm. but then not have it go to waste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the conscious consumer. And I think that kind of speaks to a larger issue, perhaps, of portion sizes in America. And that could be a topic for a whole other day. But I, I do agree, this, this issue of waste that you bring up, um, and particularly, I'm, I'm, so I'm in school right now, I'm in college, and I'm inclined to think of sort of cafeteria waste um, from high school and even dining hall waste in college. And what I'm very heartened by is at my university, I, a couple of students recently got together and started a program whereby a lot of the wasted food from the dining halls is actually repurposed and uh, given to the local homeless shelters, which I think is incredibly important um, because I think as, especially as young, perhaps privileged students attending these (laughs) universities, unaware of sort of the carbon footprint we're leaving and, and non-conscious consumers, um, it's very easy to walk into the dining hall and to f- topple your tray with, with all of this food, especially because the mm-hmm. university that I go to, I, so I go to Harvard, and the way that the dining hall system works is you pay for your room and board, um, and then you have unlimited meal swipes. So you can, you can go in at 5 p.m. when dinner starts, and then you can also run into the D hall really quickly at 7 p.m. right before the dining hall closes for dinner, and you can get as much food as you want to. 
which, you know, perhaps that can lead to sort of a culture of gluttony. Because I do, in fact, see kids when they're in this sort of all-you-can-eat buffet, grabbing as much food as they can possibly fit into their tray. And then perhaps when they sit down later, they're actually not eating all of it. Um, So I think small steps can be made to cultivate a culture of a more conscious consumer. And I think perhaps understanding where this food is grown and where it really comes from is a, a good first step to that. I will say I have incredibly missed having fresh access to fresh produce because uh, I come from the Central Valley of California, which is just a bounty of wonderful agricultural produce. I mean, we we have fresh peaches and apricots here right now, so it's really great to be back home currently, mm-hmm. especially when I'm in the East Coast. It, it really took me moving 3,000 miles away from home to, uh, to appreciate home and appreciate the farmer and what he or she does because... In the East Coast, it's it's difficult to come by some of these gems of, of fresh produce. And I, so I do think understanding how our food is grown and where it originates and who is behind this large effort can go a long way in helping us appreciate what's at the dinner table. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of which, speaking of kind of your origins, Hannah, um, we, we spoke a little bit about, you know, your grandparents having this almond farm and them being farmers of tying into their identity and so you know I feel like some Mm -hmm. a a majority of the kids who go to university might not have that background or that experience and so do you think coming from a family of farmers and seeing your grandparents working on their almond farm do you think that made you more aware of maybe the cafeteria food waste that's that's going on kind of around you um, when you head off to university? I did. And it actually made me aware of a couple of things. Um, and, and sort of one of them is actually really interestingly, this changing political climate, whereby we've seen this almost surge in populism, whereby these rural areas, these rural residents are really starting to exercise their voice on a political stage. And I think, for example, that hit a lot of people by surprise in the presidential election of 2016. And especially, you know, where, where I go to university, um, it tends to be more liberally centered, and um, some of these viewpoints, a lot of a lot of people have not been exposed to these viewpoints before. And I think for me, coming from from a, an area and then going to a new place for college that are really diametrically different in terms of culture um, was actually kind of a blessing because it, it's given me this diverse palette whereby I understand the concerns of many different types of people. And I will say that that having that background really informed a lot of the discussions I had with students in college about politics, about policy, about how things are sort of changing nationally. Because I understand some of the concerns of, of residents from rural areas. And, and I understand the concerns of people whose lives and livelihoods are changing via technology and, and via policymaking. Um, so I think my background, not only in, in terms of our previous discussion of giving me perspective about food waste, has really diversified my viewpoints on a lot of different things. And I think it's it's helped me have really informed, educated conversations with a lot of people. And, and one of my goals has actually been to sort of open people's eyes to this other way of life. Um, you know, In fact, yeah. none of my five roommates, a lot of the friends I have in college None of them come from farming backgrounds whatsoever. In fact, a lot of them come from from very urban areas. So they've actually been really intrigued getting to learn what what it's like to be a farmer. What are sort of the policies that affect us? Um, What are the concerns of people from these areas? What do they want? What do they need politically, socially, economically? So I think I'm actually very grateful um, for my background and for what it's given me. Absolutely. And, you know, the... The U.S. economy is something like 1% agriculture, so that, that might reflect on kind of where we've been going as a society and how we've lost really a focus on people who are living in these rural areas. So that's absolutely wonderful that you're able to bring that to others and educate them on political views and then open broaden your own horizon as well yeah it's really interesting you bring up this this statistic about one percent of americans being farmers because i think of sort of the divisions of employment of type of job we have primary we have secondary and we have tertiary and so um secondary is like making things with your hands like manufacturing 
uh, primary jobs are, are like farming and fishing. And then tertiary jobs are service jobs in the service sector. And what's interesting is that over the past couple number of years, we've seen a huge increase nationally in the number of tertiary jobs. So a lot more people going into the service sector. That would be jobs like healthcare, um, where we are offering a service to someone, not necessarily making something something with your own hands. Um, and and I fear that as technology has enabled us to sort of have this burgeoning of the tertiary sector, we've perhaps neglected some of our folks who are still in primary employment or secondary sort of jobs. Um, and we haven't been quite as responsive to their needs. Um, so I think even with that statistic of just 1% of America being farmers, that's still a lot of people. And they do a lot of work for us. Um, so I think we do need to v- devote more attention to them policy-wise and politically. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, because shifting to that service sector of the economy is supposedly this this big sign of development, which, of course, it is, uh, you know, we lose contact with that agricultural side. And, you know, in, in kind of the industrial stage in China, we see a rift from the rural aspect of life. And so when my parents came over here, they were commenting on how, how essential the American farmer is to American culture, to the way we live our life here. And I, you know, I'd be so sad to see that go. And I think you sharing your background with the people you've been living with, the people you've been going to school with, is a really important part of that, is the educational area of sort of enlightening people and telling them what farming is about, telling them where their food comes from. That's really important. I'm glad that you're doing that. I'm glad that you're spending your time telling people you go to school with that this is what's going on with the rural population. This is why we need to shift our attention still to these people who have been farming and who have been creating food for us. That's really great. And, you know, Hannah, do you do any, have you brought any of that sort of farming culture with you? Maybe like getting out into the garden or um, taking on any internship work that has to do with agriculture? Well, yeah. So Harvard actually has a community garden, um, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, it was actually one of the first things that I joined uh, my freshman year, and we grew turnips. <laughs> and we actually had an abundance of turnips that year, which was a lot of fun because I was walking around distributing these, asking people if they wanted to turn up, and then I would give them a turnip. <laughs> and it was quite fun um, to sort of bring that element of my background and to enjoy that along with the college experience. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for this wonderful conversation and for all of your insight. Uh, We are out of time for this segment, but we'll continue our conversation in the next portion of the show. So visitors, uh, listeners, make sure you're visiting BeTheStarYouAre.org for more information about Express Yourself and Be The Star You Are. Also, if you're a fan of baseball and you live in Northern California, Be The Star You Are has been chosen as the nonprofit of the night the June 15th baseball game between the Oakland A's and the Los Angeles Angels. Tickets are tax-deductible and actually discounted to only $32 for second-tier field seats, so make sure you're visiting our charity site at bethestarur.org slash events to buy your tickets today. I'm Brigitte And I'm Hannah Hundle, When we are also selling raffle tickets for $5 each for two individuals to win a field visit to watch batting practice and to meet the players on a different day. Two lucky pairs will each win this awesome opportunity. So go to be the star you slash events to meet major league baseball players. This has been another segment of Express Yourself Teen Radio. Keep listening as we continue our enlightening conversation on the gift of farming. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at be the star you are radio.com. 
live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Hannah Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this edition of Express Yourself, we're extending a wonderful discussion about the gift of farming. I'm Brigitte Gia. So in this segment, uh, Hannah will be giving us her take on farming as a reporter, host, and current Harvard undergraduate. So Hannah, I know you were mentioning working in the garden during your first year and telling people to turn up and giving them turnips. <laughs> and so, you know, how how did that sort of re, uh, outreach go? Were you able to you know, garner a lot of support for the Harvard Garden? Were you able to gain some more volunteers, have them help out in the garden? Well, yeah. Well, the, the great thing was we actually got to sign up for different watering shifts. And I remember I used to sign up for the shift on a Friday afternoon because my last class was, I believe, at noon on Fridays um, during my freshman year. And so it was just a really great way to cap off the week and to do something so, to me, relaxing. And it, it really did not feel like work. And I think that's reflective of my background of having grown up in this family that's, A, always farming on the actual farm as a livelihood, and also just farming in our backyard as, as a way as a way to live. Um, so, you know, we briefly mentioned my family's story, but I think I can share it in more detail now. So my grandparents came to this country in the 1970s, and my grandfather, in fact, arrived in San Francisco with $8 in his pocket. And he first worked as a farm laborer in Yuba City, California. And so where I'm from in California, it's called the Central Valley, and it's this stretch of beautiful, fertile, rich agriculture land. And interestingly, it actually wasn't, it was sort of engineered to be for agriculture. It wasn't actually mm-hmm. naturally intended to be this way, but, but it, it's been made to work. And so in fact, the Central Valley generates 82% of the world almond supply, and it generates tons and tons of other, other produce that's shipped globally. It's pretty good. <laughs> so my, my grandfather came here and he started as a farm laborer. And my grandmother used to work with him. And in fact, she often tells stories of how she was pregnant with my mother, but she was picking blueberries till 10 p.m. Uh, at night. You know, they'd wake up at six in the morning and they'd go pick berries until their hands couldn't pick them anymore. And then finally, he saved up enough money to purchase his own almond farm. Um, and he started it from the ground up. And the rest is kind of history. And so now not only does my grand, my most immediate grandfather and grandmother have their own almond farm, but a ton of their children do, um, a, a lot of my grandmother's sisters do, and all their children do. So it's really this one huge family of almond farmers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and interestingly, pretty much just almonds. Um, it's funny how that worked out, although we do have a couple of cherry trees that are very fun to pick from around this time of year. Um, but it, it's really the almond has transformed itself to me as the, the most perfect nut. It's a token of love. And the most amazing thing for me growing up is to watch how generous my grandfather was and sharing this labor of his love, the almond. You know, if you go to his house, he has barrels and barrelfuls of almonds. And so you really are not allowed any visitor to leave his house without taking some almonds for the road. <laughs> and I remember growing up, I mean, he would have these bags of almonds that he'd give to everybody. He would give to the dentist, to the gas station attendant, to his favorite, wait- to his favorite waitress at his favorite restaurant. Um, so it was really just about this love of what he did, this love of farming, 
and then this love of sharing the product of what he did. Um, and, and I think that's sort of something that applies to all of us when we find that thing we love to do. Not only should we love to do it, but then we should love to share the fruits of our labor. You know, for example, with me growing up, I loved to write and then I loved to share my writing with anybody and everybody that I could. Um, you know, and even now I, I love the work that I'm doing around healthcare and health disparities. And then I love to share that work on radio with the world. Um, so that really taught me a lot of life lessons. And in fact, when I'm away, 3000 miles away in college, my comfort food is almonds. In fact, <laughs> during a finals period, when I was essentially living in the library um, for a week, uh, what I was eating were almonds. Um, Cause it really just reminded me of the fact that in one week, all my exams would be over and I could be back home um, at the actual almond farm. So I think the almond has really centered itself for me as this loving, comforting, token of, of appreciation. Um, and I, I, I really love, you know, speaking to my grandfather about, about the almond farm, about how, you know, perhaps things have changed. Um, and the fact is, I mean, you know, the world changes, policies change, everything changes, but he still loves what he's doing. And I think that it's just so central and essential to him. Um, and, and who, and it's really just shaped him completely. And, you know, even family vacations, everything is sort of centered around the harvest and, and making sure that he's here at the critical moments that he needs to be to make sure the farms are running. So that's sort of my story. And um, as I've mentioned, going 3,000 miles away, I mean, I, I carry that with me. In fact, there's a great quote. If I can find it, I'll read it out. And it, it talks about, it's one of my favorite quotes, and it talks about this idea that although that for some of us, home is, is a place. And although we can't be in that place all the time, we can carry it with us everywhere we go. And so everywhere I'm, I go, I'm always thinking about people like my grandfather who love just working with their hands and, and who love just making a nice, honest living and, and sharing the fruits of their labor. Um, and I think that's actually such a universal theme. And it's what sort of helps me connect with people from all backgrounds and all walks of life. Yeah, absolutely. that. That's a pretty incredible and touching story. Oh my goodness! I think I I definitely see it. You know the love that's put into that food, growing the almonds and bringing them out to people, as you said, and sharing them with everyone. And I think that's the that's the beautiful thing about food that we sometimes forget. And I think in our culture, there's this really weird relationship with food now, where we have the rise of those body image issues where your relationship with food becomes this whole other thing, this whole, you know, symbol or this whole connection that is either healthy or not healthy. And we categorize them as either healthy or not healthy. And we forget that food is really about love and sharing food is an act of love between you and someone else, between you and your family, you and your friends. Definitely. I, I actually live in a small town just around the Bay Area in California where pears is the big thing. So we've got pears as kind of the symbol of our town. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And there's, there's pear trees and pear orchards. And the sad thing is there's begun to be some housing developments where um, the town board and the town council are talking about destroying these pear orchards to put in new housing complexes because the San Francisco Bay Area now is so full of people and there's so many housing issues here that we're thinking about expanding and taking away that part of the town's heritage and history. And I'm, I'm really hoping that people are going to stand strong against it. And I'm hoping to maybe go out there myself and say, no, we've, we've got to retain these pear trees and these pear orchards. And there's this whole there's this whole set of events around it too. There's a pear festival every year. Uh, people bring pear pies that are from the pears in the orchards. They sell oh pears. They've gosh. got pear ice cream. There's <laughs> this whole thing, and it's love, just like the almonds. It's love spread out across yeah. the town's people, and I'm I'm hoping that it stays as well. And I'm hoping that the pear orchards become as constant in the town's mm -hmm. present and future as your grandfather's love of, of <laughs> you know, growing and harvesting almonds. 
But you know, it's so funny you bring up the pear ice cream and, and so forth. Although I'm so blessed to be able to enjoy some really great internships back East Coast and have been there for three summers now. One of the things I miss most about my summers in California was actually working at some of these nut and fruit festivals. I remember yeah. I used to volunteer at the Apricot Festival in Patterson. And I used to, you know, do a lot of work at the Stanislaus County Festival where they're everyone sharing their produce. Um and, and also at the farmer's market, at the local farmer's market. And that's sort of an element that I missed. And what I really appreciate is that actually on Harvard's campus, um, during this time of year, there is a farmer's market that comes by. And I make sure to visit it every Tuesday at noon. Um, e- even if I don't eat any food, I just sort of want to walk around and enjoy the ambiance because it really is reflective and reminiscent for me of where I'm from. Um, and, and, you know, it's just a special connection. And I think... You know, a lot of people who maybe didn't grow up on a farm or grow up in a family of farmers may not identify at that sort of really, really visceral level. But I think everybody can build a connection with food. In fact, I want to share a quote by Cesar Chavez, who did a lot of work around unionizing from, for farm workers. And in fact, he's really celebrated in my town. There's a statue of him, etc. And one of my favorite quotes from him is, if you really want to make a friend, go to someone's house and eat with him. The people who give you their food give you their heart. And so when I go to these farmer markets and these festivals, I really see the heart of these communities, as you mentioned, with, with the pears. I mean, that that is really, that is the entirety of someone's labor for eight or nine months, um, for the whole year, in fact. So, yeah, you know, it, it really has definitely transformed my life. And when I think about graduating college, where I want to move afterward, I don't know yet, but I know I somehow need to incorporate um, this farming, this agriculture, cultural aspect, you know, whether it be volunteering, I found some really great organizations back East Coast that I actually want to get in touch with, um, just to sort of volunteer in my free time for fun, and to reconnect with my roots. Um, but yeah, it really, it's something that I carry with me always, and I'll never be able to shake it. Absolutely. You know, thank you so much, Hannah, for sharing your background and your story. I think that the idea of love and food is something that needs to be brought out into the public and shared with everyone. So thank you for doing that. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Listeners, make sure to follow Be The Star You Are and express yourself at bethestaryouare.org to support our show and find more segments like this. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Hannah Hundle. Again, during the break, be sure to check out our 501 C3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity at BeTheStarYouAre.org. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for more information about our show. When we come back, we'll be returning with our discussion on farming. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Brigitte Gia on Express Yourself, and in this last segment, we'll be closing out a fantastic show about farming. And I'm Hannah Hundle. Rounding out our wonderful hour is Brigitte with another segment of Art Attack, 
linking farming and art together. Hi, Brigitte. Hey, guys, it's Brigitte, of course. And yeah, I'll be sort of making that connection between two, I would say, essential uh, ways of expressing oneself and uh, ways of forming one's identity. So obviously, you've got food and hunger as sort of the basis for human existence and survival. So from kind of our roots, we're very tied, we're very attached to food and to eating food and to sharing and growing food. Obviously, you've got Maslow's hierarchy of need needs with that theory of psychology. You've got the physiological needs at the very bottom of the pyramid. So the first thing that humans have to have to move on to another level of kind of self-fulfillment or maybe belonging, the first things that humans need to have is food, is the satisfaction of their hunger, and then, of course, safety, thirst, all of those physiological needs. And so food is a very big part of us. Uh, I think that's probably why the Neolithic revolution there started with the beginning of farming, beginning of settling down and creating our own food instead of going out to hunt it. Our brainstems as well. Uh, I'm sure Hannah, you know this as a medical student. It, we have that hypothalamus that's controlling <laughs> our hunger levels and we've got the brainstem, the, the basic parts of our brain centered around food as main thing that we need to survive. So obviously we have that quote as well that's something like, you know, a way to someone's heart is through their stomach. And so food is very connected to our survival, to our identity, and then to our social needs as well. Generally connected to the human experience. And on the other hand, I think that art in painting, sculpture, drawing, any sort of form of art is a way of expressing our identity and bringing ourselves out and sharing ourselves. Uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, Hannah, on a different segment, we wish to share ourselves with others. And one way that we can really do that and really show our true selves to other people is through art and through the creation of art. So I think because food is main part of our identity and because art is one main method through which we show our identity. The two are sort of intrinsically linked there. Um, and so that's why we see a lot of different works and a lot of different paintings and sculptures that are centered around food. It's such a basic part of our identity. So if you're looking at, maybe we can start backwards from this little timeline here um, through art history starting with kind of the Impressionist era, uh, we're seeing a drift towards depicting daily life and daily foods. And so we have something like uh, Van Gogh's The Potato Eaters, and Cezanne painted a lot of apple still lifes, so the depiction of basic everyday foods. And that fell kind of in line with the Impressionist message but they were actually devolving away from a depiction of food that was very centered around royalty and sort of the fancy things in life. And so romantic style of painting before the Impressionists was very focused on depicting richness and depicting the food of the royals. So a lot of cake, a lot of fine fruits, a lot of colors. So the difference between those two, I feel like, really shows that relationship with food that we have and how it changes with sort of our perspective on what we want to show to the world. So the Impressionists would to show the truth of things, kind of. And so they wanted to depict lights and darks. They didn't want to focus on the intricacies. So they decided, along with their mission to depict truth, to depict way that most people eat. Whereas on the other hand, the romantic painters were focused on depicting beauty and depicting very the most aesthetic things that they could find. And that happened to be the intricacies of delicate foods and foods that were perhaps meant for the wealthier classes. 
definitely see that connection between food, art, and the way we express ourselves, the way the things that we want other people to see about ourselves and about our way of communicating. Traveling even back farther in time, we see in the Renaissance, uh, food had a lot of religious symbolism. So when we're talking paintings like Last Supper, for example, you're seeing food in a very religious context. You're seeing food that's representative of perhaps Jesus Christ's blood and his body. So you've got the bread and the wine. And we're seeing that depicted in a lot of paintings, a lot of sculptures, because religion was a big part of life in that era. And food, of course, has always been a big part of our lives. And as the two were such big forces in people's daily lives and people's people's routines, it came out in the art. So the religious factor intertwined with the food factor intertwined with that expression of oneself through art. So I think at the very end of the day, this all ties into the fundamental concept that food symbolizes life and art is an expression of life and identity. So naturally, you've got the expression of food and emotions linked with food, symbols linked with food through art. And as a result, we get a lot of food-oriented pieces uh, today. And when people look at food-oriented pieces, they, they are able to relate, as all humans are, because they eat food. And we all eat food, and we all enjoy it, and it means something to us. Alrighty, uh, with that, Howard, you know what? I'm going to ask, actually, Hedda, since I, I've just been rambling this whole time, about your opinion as well. What do you think? Yeah, I really do enjoy, yeah, that last piece that you mentioned that food is so central to us and food being a part of art makes it additionally central to us. I think it's just a large circle of life um, that's really just so wonderful. And I've so enjoyed this conversation about food and agriculture, Brigitte. And I think with that, unfortunately, it's sadly time to say farewell. But we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, be the star you are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. And thank you to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you to our listeners for making us a top-rated program. I'm Hannah Hundle. I'm Brigitte Gia. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. Information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, go to our main site at bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, appreciate the world's farmers, and be here. Stop, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.